All right, we're back for part two of tonight's show, joined by Jim Dunaway. As always, I'm Dan. Yeah, I'm Joe. Uh, Joe, we left off. We were talking about your bet of the week, uh, Tennessee over South Carolina. I saw that one today, and I liked that also, but I couldn't quite get myself to go for Tennessee because I just don't trust them yet in the beginning of the season. Um, I also think that this might be the last year that Will Muschamp's at South Carolina, so I was thinking about that one too. But that was a that was a tough one for me to think about because I think Tennessee's the better team. I'm just not sure if they're going to show up in the first game. Jim, what what are your thoughts on Tennessee coming into the Gamecocks? Well, I, I like that pick a lot too. But I like Tennessee in the game. I think the defense will be really interesting, and I think South Carolina shows a little bit of desperation in taking College Hill. Yeah. The starting quarterback. Uh, that's Zip going with a guy who's familiar with the new system with Mike Bobo, and uh, he transferred with his coach from Colorado State. And, and uh, I was in Columbia for the Alabama South Carolina game last year. Uh, Ryan Kalinsky um, made some plays, kept them competitive in that game against a really good defense. So if he's not running the offense yet, that tells me it's a little bit discombobulated. So uh, I think that's a sign of desperation. I like Tennessee. I like Aaron Cano uh, being the undisputed Jeremy Bruce word quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. And I, I think the, the Tennessee talent is better South Carolina. You know, it would be an interesting game. It's one of the ones I'm looking forward to watching. But I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Tennessee wins that one. And they win by more three and a half. All right. Uh, speaking of underdog picks, you know, all week I keep hearing about how Kentucky's going to beat Auburn or stay tight with, with Auburn. And, I mean, you know, I think y'all talked about this a little bit on your show. It's kind of hard for Auburn fans to get past the jersey on the other side. I think that's really a realistic thing. But, I mean, are you someone that actually buys the hype of Kentucky that they can actually beat Auburn this weekend? Well, I mean, there's some reason that keep people buying in once Terry Wilson. I haven't seen him in over a calendar year so. Just because you're back from injury doesn't mean you're your, your old self. So I'd love to, you know, have a sneak peek of Terry Wilson before I predicted that game. And unfortunately, I'm not going to get the opportunity to, to have a sneak peek before they play. And I do think it would be more beneficial for Auburn in this game if they had a Citadel game or a you know a game against I'm trying to think someone who's not part of the uh, Campbell, uh, so that they could roll the offensive line out. Um, and some of their young receivers and know whether or not they have gotten it right in camper. It's hard to rework your offensive line and throw a couple of freshmen in starting roles uh, just because of your extended fall camp and not really have those tested. If you're doing it in a game against Kentucky, who is going to play close to the best, low scoring, they have got the experience, Kentucky does in the trenches, both on the offensive and Line. So Auburn really can't make a mistake as personnel. So this is a tough over for Auburn, and I can understand why everyone is picking um, Kentucky. Best quarterback in the game is going to be very hard to go for Auburn since both teams are better than Terry. Um, he was a true freshman last year with a tremendous schedule that he had to face. He played well in some of those games, including Oregon, the second half, including the Iron Bowl. So, um, you know, Bo Nix is the better, the better quarterback. Uh, by a lot, because it's old Terry Wilson, but he's the better quarterback. Uh, Auburn's got better receivers. Auburn's got at least an equal defensive line, even though they lost Derrick Brown, which is far from safe. 
they've got Big Cam Bright and some guys who, um, if you know anything about Tracy Rocker, those guys, um, they, and Rodney Gardner, and Wade Auburn has always done in the back and pack dive. They rotate four, eight, ten guys. They've got guys that maybe weren't starters, but they played a lot last year. That's back to the linebackers or anything. And I think they're pretty good in the secondary. But the defense will be really good. We want another game. I know that number's low. I think Auburn wins this game 24 to 13. And um, I think they cover. I think they win the game. And um, but I understand why everybody's facing this guy. Because Auburn's got a thread of needle here to win this game. Bump over. And Kentucky's coming in with a bat on, but I do think Auburn handles. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah, I concur. Um, I think that Auburn, uh, Bo Nix, I feel like it's only a matter of time before he's um, potentially an all-SEC first-team performer. I think junior, senior year, if he stays that long, he's going to be right up there with anybody. And I just think that Wilson, you know, I've seen some good play in the past, but I think back to two years ago, when they had that outstanding team with Josh Allen and Benny Snell Jr., um, they won 10 games. Wilson was, you know, that weak link at times offensively. And so I just kind of go back to that. And I feel like against Auburn's defense, even without Graham, I think they'll still be more than formidable and be able to squeak by uh, Kentucky in an early test. Yeah, Joe, that's my kind of thing, too. Both of those are fun. Uh, you have Auburn close to Kentucky and Florida at Old Miss, both at 11 o'clock. I mean, grab your popcorn. That's the best hour of the day to me. The best window of the day, that first one, right at 11 o'clock on Saturday. I'm looking forward to those two games. TV1 and TV2. Easy choice for me at 11 o'clock. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. about that, too. I mean, I think Terry Wilson's going to be the most important player in that Auburn-Kentucky game because, I mean, just like Joe said, I thought two years ago he was a liability maybe kept Kentucky from being even better than they were, maybe even having a chance against a team like Georgia. Because I remember uh, watching that Missouri-Kentucky game the year they had won 10 games, and Wilson was just absolutely atrocious for three and a half quarters. And he showed a little boxy at the end and got a touchdown on that last drive. But, I mean, I thought he was a substandard quarterback that year. And I know he's had an injury that's kept him out all season the last year, so it's just hard for me to imagine he's going to show that much improvement in a game against an Auburn defense. Kevin Stout still is uh, an elite defensive coordinator. He's got guys that um, have played a lot in his big game. It's going to be a good Auburn defense again. They're not at Georgia's level, but they're going to be really good, and I think they're the reason they win the football game. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I don't think that Auburn's going to actually light it up on the scoreboard, but uh, that defense, I mean, you mentioned on the defensive line, even though you do lose Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson, Big Cat Bryant's going to be great in this year on the D-end. Tyrone Truesdale is a very expensive, uh, very uh, very experienced defensive tackle. He's been there for four years. Made a lot of sacks last year and made some improvement. And I'll tell you someone I want to look for is Daquan Newkirk. He's a guy who came to Auburn four years ago, wasn't able to make the team, had to go to JUCO, then come back to Auburn, and he's been riding the bench for a couple of years. But he was a four-star recruit coming out, and I just think that he's got so much determination. That's going to be a guy you sat and see have a really good season this year. Running back are good. It's all about the offensive line. You know, with Auburn, it's their O-line, and Alabama, it's their secondary. And if uh, they, nail, they nail down all those spots, then Auburn and Alabama will have a good year this year. Um, 
Florida and Georgia are poised and ready to go. I, I'm looking forward to the season for sure. Well, I like I like Auburn 31 to 14 over Kentucky. Uh, Jim, what are, what are your thoughts on? I, I heard you on your show. You said it earlier with us. Why do you like Ole Miss so much against Florida as a potential upset or at least a strong cover? Well, I like Mingo and receiver. I don't think anybody to me he's going to be a breakout guy this year. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin will find ways to get him the football. I like Neely a lot, and then I think you got two quarterbacks who can cause you problems. Corral can throw the football, and John Rice can run it. And uh, I think Lane Kiffin will devise a way to make that a stingy. A stingy enough offense where Florida will get scared in this game. And, you know, maybe not win it outright, but I do think they play inside the 14 and a half. I got it. I think they'll make that an entertaining game. And the simple guy, whether you like him or you don't like him, Blake Kiffin's the coach guy. And I have seen him, and I've had the, the honor twice to coach the, uh, the Alabama a game. And I was in the locker room with Blake Kiffin watching him throw up plays on the, on the whiteboard. And the way he relates with the players resonates. And the way he thinks offensively uh, really connects with an 18 to 22 year old. And I think he makes too much playing offense. I think Ole Miss is hungry for that. A lot of those kids, when they thought about going to Ole Miss, they thought about going there and Q3 and that team was really rocking and rolling. Uh, he's already digging out some powder blue uniforms, new jerseys, new powder blue in the end zone. Uh, this is a big game for Blake Kiffin to set at home. I hate that he didn't get a spring practice. I hate that it has been this scenario or they've been a little bit further along. Um, but with that said, I think he'll use this to his advantage and make that a very entertaining game for him. So I, I mean, he's got some skills, skill players, and that's all Blake Kiffin needs. Well, what I'm fascinated about with all this, Jim, Dan, is the running back arsenal is really about as loaded as they've ever had in Oxford. And it's so ironic because you think back to the Chad Kelly, Bo Wallace, Ole Miss teams, and their offense was always predicated on the passing game. You never felt like they had talented running backs. And now they have Ely, they have Henry Parrish, talented freshman, they have Snoop Connor. I mean, it goes three or four guys deep. The questions for me are, are like Jim said similarly, the wide receiver position. Who's that second guy outside of Elijah Moore? I think he could definitely be Jonathan Mingo. Also, I'm interested to see how the offensive line holds up this year. And the reason I say that is that, of course, their starting center, Eli Johnson, opted out. So they're forced to move talented offensive linemen in Brown from guard to center. How does that shift work out? Can the offensive line hold serve and open up the pass game? Yeah, I think that uh, that's going to be the biggest thing for them, kind of like with Auburn. I mean, offensive line is, is the most important thing you have just in the trenches with your O-line and your D-line. And that's been an issue that Ole Miss has had the past couple of years. When they had Hugh Freeze, they had some really good defensive linemen, but that talent's gone down. And that's going to be something that's going to probably take Lane Kiffin a couple of years to develop. So that'll definitely be an issue when they take on Florida is can they protect against a really good uh, pass rush from Ty Grantham. Can they get uh, get some pressure against uh, Kyle Trask? Yep, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. But Grantham, you know, he makes 1.79 million dollars from a horrible loss that would be run out of the game for, for him. And Dan Mullins, the guy that I, I will enjoy watching if this game gets close because <laughs> he's a guy who go back and look at his distance. Um, 
doesn't have a lot of big wins. I mean, I know he got the number one in the country. Uh, he may have one or two big wins. I mean, big wins in his history. One or two. You go back and look. Anytime that the table was set for Mississippi State to, you know, be unbeaten and beat Alabama, it didn't happen. Um, one time, one time maybe, he offered at the right time. He went to the number one in the country. He, he flipped off that old long time. I want to see if Dan Mullen can finish the deal and he can get some big wins this year and do what everybody thinks he's going to do. And it's not you know, mess up against the old Miss. Old Miss isn't a big game for him. But he definitely has some experience. Well, and this is a game that I feel like the pandemic has really kind of ruined because I actually was going to be in Oxford for this game when it was set in its original thing. I was so excited to see Dan Mullen's return to Oxford as the Florida coach with Lane Kiffin there. And then, of course, the COVID happened. They changed the SEC schedule around, and now you can only have a quarter of the fans there. But I'll tell you this, Jim, if this had been, like, a full crowd in Oxford, I would have been worried about Florida. I think they would have been really into this game with how much they dislike Dan Mullen. So, I, I think the players will still be in, in on this. I'm, I'm telling you, watch that game. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, moving down the list a little bit, uh, Mississippi State and LSU. We talked about this one a little bit. Uh, I'm getting the kind of feeling that you think that LSU is going to run away with this. How bad do you think LSU actually is going to take down the dogs this weekend? Well, what's the point spread? I think it's uh, like 16 and a half. 16. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's about a three-touch game. 20-21 points. Um, I mean, Derek Lee Jr. is the uh, best defensive player, one of the best quarters, if not the best quarter in the country. They lost some of their talent to opt out. They lost a ton. Uh, when LSU recruits, man, Ken Orchard recruits, I've got a chance to see him on 60 minutes. The power hour is a real thing. They bring in, they bring in great talent in LSU. And just because you know you're throwing out a freshman or somebody you didn't see win the national championship last year, trust me, man, I've seen it up close and personal in Tuscaloosa. And it's, um, the names change, but the skill set does not. So. If they can get quarterback right, Miles Brenner, whoever it ends up being, um, then this team will be good again. Nowhere close to what they were last year, but they were close to them. That was maybe the best team ever. Um, but they're, they're better than Mississippi State, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm interested to see eventually the coexistence of Kyle Hill within the Mike Leach offense. I want to know how that's going to work. As Jim referenced earlier, how will KJ Costello, assuming he's the quarterback, how will that work out without, you know, the spring practice, um, learning the Mike Leach offense, you know, how will the passing game be clicking? And, and just long term, I wonder if at some point with Kyle Hill being accustomed to getting a lot of carries, you know, is that going to result in some internal struggles if he's not getting the ball as much in that pass heavy offense? Never talk about Mike Leach in the defense, right? Never talk about the other side of the ball. And, and, and near the end of his time in Coleman, he had a pretty good defense. And I think it was Rich with the uh, defensive coordinator there with Oklahoma. Uh, that was really a good defensive unit. They struggled at that in time. So you're telling me that Mike Leach is going to dial up the defense it takes to beat uh, LSU in week one already in Starkville? I think this will be more about LSU's offense 
and Mississippi State's defense is open about Mike Leach. That's a good point. Yeah, Callahill worries me too, Joe, because I just, I mean, he's not really an Alvin Kamara type back, so I don't really see how he really fits within Leach's system. Um, you know, I watched that 60 Minutes piece about Coach O, and, and when I was watching that Power Hour thing, all I could think about was, well, if Coach O couldn't get him, he just needs Coco to call him, because she was the best part of that whole thing. They sounded and looked a little bit alike, too. I want that <laughs> recipe, though. I had sent the coach the notes saying I want the recipe. <laughs> yeah, that gumbo looked good. I think I'd be afraid of some of the seafood that was in it. Might get some nutrient out there. Uh, and next, uh, moving on to, to your team, Jim, uh, Alabama. Uh, not exactly a super inspiring opener with Missouri, but, I mean, probably kind of a good warm-up game right there. And I guess we can get to see what Sean Robinson's like. Uh, as an Alabama fan, what would you like to see uh, Bama do this weekend against Missouri? What's a what's a successful week you think in your opinion? Well, I, there's a ton of storylines for Alabama, and one is health of the team. Uh, by, by this time last year, by week one last year, they had already lost uh, their hot shot running back, five star running back. They lost basically their entire linebacker for all of the injuries before the season even started. And now you come in with two first-round NFL draft pick receivers again. You've got a guy who's going to play in the NFL and running back who did not go. You've got four offensive linemen back. A couple of them could have gone to the NFL and did this year draft pick. They decided to come back. Uh, that left side of the offensive line is going to be a monster. Um, and then you flip it around. You have Mars Warner and Brian Gray in the Defensive lines are going to be simple studs. They'll take you back to the Dunstan Allen type uh, days of Alabama's defensive line. The line back and forth because of the return of Dylan Moses and the experience you got playing freshman all last year is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Uh, wait till you see this Will Anderson in uh, true freshman. The debate is whether Will Anderson or Bryce Young was the best recruit Alabama got. Bryce won't start, Will Anderson will. He's that good of a linebacker, and he'll be out there from plate one. Uh, and then you get to the secondary, and if Josh Joe can do his job and keep Patrick Sertan where he belongs, blocking down one side of the field as the the quarterback position, there's some young guys that are going to be counted on. They recruited well back there, and you know that was disappointing last year that you had uh, in two games, particularly those the LSU game. So they poor tackling Alabama secondary that ended up costing you the game. Um, tackling better and being being on the same page communication-wise uh, will make that Alabama secondary better. Don't lose the fact that last year there was some chaos on the backside because of what was going on with the linebackers and the play calling uh, in front of them. There was a lot of people going in several different directions, and uh, you don't want that defense. So I, I think for me, the storyline is going to be watching the communication of the Alabama defense and everybody coming out of that game healthy. So by, by the time you play Texas A&M and then Georgia, you're a full squad. What do you think, Jay? With the pandemic, yeah, with the pandemic, I feel like myself and a lot of people probably did not study all of the rosters as much in the offseason as much as we normally would. And so a few weeks ago, I was looking at the Alabama depth chart, and I was just like, wow. I mean, this is kind of quietly one of 
just stronger in my opinion. Alabama rosters I've seen um, really outstanding, uh, loaded pretty much in every position. Jim referenced the offensive line. I always look at teams returning, you know, a left tackle, you get like a junior or senior left tackle, and I'm like, you know, that really bodes well. And, you know, we'll see if Bryce Young gets some snaps at quarterback later and sees it over Matt Jones. But honestly, I really don't think it will matter with the running backs coming back or the two first-round uh, talents at wide receiver. I mean, this is just a very unbalanced team. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, what, what's the receivers not named Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle? Um, ever since Alabama started recruiting, you know, the Amari Cooper type players, uh, they have brought in one or two elite receivers in every recruiting time. And those guys have been stacked up waiting for their chance to get on the field. John Nessie will be one of those guys that you'll see finally getting playing time this weekend. Um, and it's like planes landing in Atlanta receivers Alabama has. Uh, right now in Tuscaloosa, um, and it's pretty amazing. So even though you lose a couple of guys that are making plays, duty runs in the NFL, there are other guys lined up behind Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle waiting to catch the ball from Mac Jones. If you want to see Bryce Jones, you're going to see him um, at least by mid-third quarter on Saturday and not before that. Yeah, I definitely want to see some of those guys behind the uh, Jalen Waddle and Smith, but I want to see what Waddle does coming off the end of last season. I mean, the game he had in the Iron Bowl was absolutely astounding. I think I'll have that little pose that he did, like, ingrained in my mind every time he scored a touchdown. And so I think that's going to be, you know, he's going to be the guy I think I'll watch this year. I was big on Devontae Smith for a while, but I think Waddle's just, he's so electric what he can do returning kicks, too. And I think he's probably going to end up being the best of the bunch. And maybe he could be. I mean, you never have uh, receivers win the Heisman or even get close anymore, but could be a dark horse Heisman pick. Maybe a guy who could even show up there. Maybe just get invited. Lance, my radio partner, Lance Davis, do our projections every year. The four people we think will be in New York. He has one on the winning the Heisman for being in New York is one of the four I can definitely see it. I think my biggest thing I'm going to watch for for Alabama when I watch them on Saturday is to see what the defense looks like, in particular that secondary you're talking about. I mean, we know we got that they got a lot of talent on the D line. Getting Dylan Moses back is huge in the middle. I mean, that's one of the best linebackers in America. But that that secondary last year was you know the biggest weakness they had. And Sertain's really good, but I'm really interested to see if Missouri has any big plays or if Alabama was able to shut down their passing attack completely. Because I think that's really the only question mark I have with Alabama right now is the depth of their secondary and whether or not there are some uh, chances to go deep against them. Yeah. What will Brian Gray play in the big ball of hate? We'll love it. We'll see that. Well, yeah, so uh, what, what do you got your final score for, Jim? I think the, the line on that game is like 27 and a half right now. I would probably make it a 20, 24 to 27 point Alabama win. That's, a, that's one I would stay away from betting because you're going to get a, uh, a ton of players play. You're going to get a, a big dose of, of Bryce Young at some point. You're going to probably get some Paul Tyson in the fourth quarter as well uh, if it goes to the playoffs. So I would expect to see the ones play all the way to the first drive in the third quarter. And then uh, once once it's a 24-point game, we will see them work in a lot of other players. 
I think it ends up being about a 27 uh, point to 30 point score. And I would probably put that score somewhere around 40 to 10, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's about right. I, I don't bet on Alabama. It always turns out bad for me. If I bet four or more against them, I always lose. So I think that's just part of me being an Auburn one. They don't want, they, I, can't, I can't win when I bet, bet on Alabama. with Kirby Smart and Sam Pittman. This is a pretty high number right here in 24 and a half. Do you think this could maybe be a closer game than a lot of people are thinking? Playoffs is usually over with by now. So I had all that going on. I'm a big Tampa Bay fan, but my liking is 
Stanley Cup, my Rays are in the playoffs, and the Bucks have Tom Brady. So everything's happening at once. And um, so it's a little weird watching, you know, average college football on one TV and the U.S. Open on another TV than at night I'm watching Miami Blitz Louisville and the Lightning Miami Stanley Cup Finals on another TV. And then the Open on Sunday by the Bucks and Tom Brady are getting their first win. So, you know, like, what's happening? What blood is it? But it's fun. It was good to have it. And I can't wait to a November Masters to go from third round of the Masters to uh, Alabama, LSU, and Baton Rouge. That'll be a fun Saturday. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, I'll be able to watch it then. That, that kind of screwed me up, too. It's like even thinking of the U.S. Open being last week. Um, with that being said, uh, we're going to get you on for one more segment, Jones. I want to talk a little bit of uh, NFL football, especially uh, Tampa Bay and the Falcons' epic collapse. And I want to thank everybody for listening. This is a bit. So this is longer than a 10-minute interview. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is just going to be like a 10-minute interview on the NFL part of it. Uh, thank you for listening to Dan and Joe Sports Show. Uh, as always, you can check us out on Spotify. I've got all the Dan and Joe Sports Shows uploaded. Catch us on Facebook Live at 9 o'clock on Wednesdays. We're also available on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. And as always, I'm Dan. Get out, Joe.